I think with technology, we'll be able to bring a very, very high quality of, of one-on-one consultancy. Today's guest in CMO Talk is Philip Markman, Chief Marketing Officer, Western Europe of L'Oreal Group. This is CMO Talk, the podcast, marketing discussed at the highest level. Hi, welcome to CMO Talk, the show where we discuss marketing at the highest level. My name is Klaas Weimer, professional marketer, founder of Energize and podcaster since 2008. And I'm Adam Fields. I'm a stand-up comedian and I've spent most of my life being baffled by the world of marketing, really. We proudly present our very first episode of CMO Talk. And in this monthly podcast, we dive into the nitty gritty of marketing by interviewing top chief marketing officers of well-known brands. We deconstruct their marketing strategies and hear how they plan to remain successful. And today, we're happy to introduce our very, very first guest. It's Philip Markman. He's a Chief Marketing Officer of Western Europe. And he's been at L'Oreal for 15 years now, uh, which is incredible because he looks like he's only 25. Don't know how he does it. Moisturized. Great products, isn't it? Great products. And he's now based at their headquarters in Paris. And in his spare time, he's a triathlete, in case we didn't feel insecure enough about our manhood. So, Philip, which are you best at? Uh, swimming, cycling or running? Running. What's your favorite? That's an easy one. Certainly running. Yay! <laughs> I'm happy with it. Oh we, no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Class is also a runner. I'm a marathoner. Get two runners so. together. <laughs> this is the whole podcast now. Can we get it back to marketing, please? Sure. I tell you, yes. I tell you, I learned the most in swimming because I started from a very low base. Uh, I said in terms of growth and achievements, I'm, I'm the proudest about swimming, to be honest. Oh. But I'm no, no, not near where being being good. <laughs> but at least I develop. Okay, let's do a short introduction about L'Oreal. Because L'Oreal has over 1 billion consumers using uh, your products, Philip, like brands like L'Oreal Paris, uh, Vichy, uh, Lancome. L'Oreal is one of the frontrunners, actually, in a digital transformation of brands. And we thought that it's a very interesting uh, topic to cover in this podcast, digital services. So how can you make most of digital opportunities by offering both personal and high-quality services? So again, Philip, a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Your ambition is to grow and and gain new consumers worldwide. Is this ambition realistic in in times of COVID? Yes, absolutely. So we have a track record of uh, more than 100 years uh, with L'Oreal being successful and gaining market share and winning new consumers. So we constantly reinvent ourselves. So I think it's, it's a very good ambition. And maybe to say a word on, on digital and, and services and which, which part it plays in our strategy overall, you know. So for us, years ago, we fundamentally have made the choice that digital for us is a perfect match with beauty. Mm. And that's why we started investing, investing in digital and capabilities and technology very early on. And to be honest, this has really paid off during, of course, the challenging time of COVID, which has been a huge digital stress test. Uh, I think for for many industries, uh, with stores being closed, with consumers being predominantly on their mobile phones. And for us, from a business point of view, the good thing is we were ready. So for us, it's really a competitive advantage. Is it an accelerator, COVID? Uh, Big time. We probably in a couple of months have leapfrogged another two, three years uh, in terms of uh, transformation of the group. Uh, When I take a few examples, for example, uh, the explosion of e-commerce, uh, which last year has, has been now more than a quarter of the group sales globally. 
in, in Western Europe. So yeah, definitely, it has absolutely helped us to, to transform even faster. So Philip, how, how's uh, L'Oreal performing? How are the sales going in these COVID times? So we, for Western Europe, we absolutely had a good year in terms of market share uh, growth last year, which is you know, for us the most important currency is are we gaining market share? Are we building our leadership in our categories? And that's absolutely, absolutely the case. So both in e-commerce, but also in the brick and mortar uh, and in different categories uh, and countries. So we're on a good track, but of course we, we have to constantly disrupt and challenge ourselves to, to keep winning in, the, in this environment, that's for sure. I'm wondering, could you tell us a little bit more about all the digital services? You, uh, you previously mentioned that you are invested heavily in uh, digitization and digital products. Could you give us an uh, example how you're doing uh, on that field? Sure. So, so for us, I mean, maybe just to take one step back on, on the role mm. that digital innovation and, and services and also startups uh, play for us, our competitiveness and, and future success. So sure. with, with all this rapid you know, development and maturity of, of new powerful technologies like AI or augmented reality uh, and voice, these open innovation and services for us are really a big strategic axis uh, of the development for L'Oreal to offer personalized and meaningful experiences to the consumer. So that's what, what it's all about. And this is what will build the love of our brands. This will build uh, the recruitment capabilities of new consumers. Mm -hmm. So then uh, we started this journey already a few years ago. Uh, and probably the most important milestone was the acquisition of Modiface uh, in 2018. So that's the leader in augmented reality in, in artificial intelligence based in Toronto. So there, there we have, for example, 80, 80 AR and AI engineers that are building uh, the new generation of, of tech and, and business models. Mm. And now to be a bit more concrete, for example, uh, online, so virtual makeup try-on and hair color try-on, uh, but also AI-powered skincare diagnostic. Uh, and also real-time beauty consultation, etc. So we're building digital services for the consumer to have the best uh, experience and advice possible in their smartphone. So, so Philip, how does that work in practice, using, using words like AI and AR, but how does that work in reality? I think one, one very important or interesting one is, is the Vichy skin diagnostic, which is a bit the kind of dermatologist in, in your pocket, you know? So it's using AI and image recognition uh, at the end of the day. So you can scan a self, you can do a selfie of yourself. Uh, it will do an analysis of your skin. I just did one this morning, uh, again, to see how I feel. Uh, for wow. me, uh, my priorities are uh, really, and I, to be honest, I think it's true, really about radiance uh, and firmness of the skin. You are looking radiant this morning, I have to say. Yeah, I, I, I updated my routine after the diagnostic. Wow. Uh, but, but, joke, but jokes aside, yeah. so it's really, so at the end, it's, 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 it's an algorithm, an AI that, that uses image recognition based on, uh, on all the imagery that was, was given into it during the development process. But that's a big database, right? It's huge. Um, it's huge. Yeah. And of course, we, we train it and it trains itself uh, mm. on the go. So it gets it smarter with, with every diagnostic. Yeah. Uh, and on that, so we've done already... In 2019, on this Vichy example, you know, this uh, skin diagnostic AI, we did around 600,000 diagnoses in 2019. And then with expanding it to 2020, we ended up almost at uh, 4 million diagnostics overall. You know, so you see also this massive adoption of the consumer, which will help, of course, train the quality and the scale. But already now we see that people that use service on our websites hmm. tend to spend four times longer on the site. Uh, of course, that's important. 
it really increases conversion rate uh, significantly up to three times mm. uh, on our own sites uh, when when people have have used these services because it's wow. just where, where can we try it so if you go on vc.co.uk uh, but you can also do it on the Dutch side if you go on Laurel Paris uh, or on Longcombe Uh, you will either have the options to do skin diagnostic or the options to do shade uh, finders or virtual try-on for makeup to see which color wow. suits you best or your outfit. So you can literally see uh, different color makeup on your face on screen. And that's video. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we're also exploring part that with other partners. And also you will also, hmm. we also work very closely with Google. So that's embedded also in YouTube, for example. So when there's, When there is an ad of a respective makeup brand that directly within the app, you can try uh, the shade that you want without leaving it. Can you also uh, immediately buy the product, which is recommended? Yes. We don't have an owned and operated e-shop for all of our brands in every market. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when we do, then directly you can put it in your basket and you can mm -hmm. further browse or get samples. Or if we don't have an e-shop, you can choose the partner uh, retailer of your choice. Uh, and you're directly at the product yeah. detail page. And are retailers happy with this uh, progress you're making by directly selling to consumers? Yes, I mean, for, for us, definitely. So we, we have different different strategic uh, pillars. So, of course, uh, direct-to-consumer, as for every company, is important. But we have major and very established and flourishing partnerships with, with big retailers that we are building and investing in as well. And the good thing also is, I think, for, uh, for our own e-shops, It's also really an advantage to learn a lot what's working in terms of content, what's working in terms of services. Right. And we can also bring this expertise back to any discussion with other retail partners to improve on that. Don't want to miss an episode of CMO Talk? Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on cmotalk.global. I would like to go to a first statement uh, in, in CMO Talk because yeah, COVID-19 has speeded the pace of uh, digitization globally, as you previously mentioned. But brands can't afford to lag behind. This brings us to our very first statement for you, Philip. To survive, every organization needs to invest in digital services. Yeah, I think it's a challenging statement, to be honest, because at the end, I mean, why are we doing what we're doing? We want to offer the best for us in the beauty industry, uh, beauty experiences and services for our consumers. I mean, that's what we're in for, to surprise them, to engage them, to listen to their needs and demands. And services, just especially in an O plus O world, play a huge role. And that's what we all expect. And it's, of course, not only in beauty, but also in other industries. And in beauty, it plays a fundamental role on having the right level of advice for, to finding a skincare product, uh, to find the right makeup product, To have also, and this is another lag in the service area which we do, one-on-one uh, -on -one consultation with our frontline workers. So it could be a BA uh, or could be a stylist uh, or could be someone in the field of skincare. So also to connect live mm. our frontline team members to consult one-on-one -on -one potential consumers um, and, and guide them. What, what are you actually missing, though, from the sort of one-on-one -on -one physical Uh, interaction though what, what's missing in this sort of digital world Now, I think with with technology we'll be able to bring a very very high quality of one-on-one of -on -one mm -hmm. consultancy I think it's it's not unique to us it's just for us as humans that we will always want to have both mm -hmm. so and that's why the O plus O the online and offline is extremely important and at the end it depends 
on the consumer if I, in what mood am I, where am I, what do I need? And then there will be some instances where uh, a consultancy and a dialogue in a store is, is perfect. But then, of course, to follow that up online with the right level of personalization of the things that mm. I've discussed, of the sample that I got. So I think the challenge uh, for, for many uh, companies is probably more to connect the online with the offline seamlessly. Right. I was wondering, Philip, because originally L'Oreal is a traditional cosmetics organization, right? And you made a giant leap in moving to the digital world, the digital phase. What's the main difficulty for brand owners listening to the show who really want to make a frog leap in, uh, in, in digital services and how to overcome these? I mean, for us, the good thing is we're always a company that's founded on innovation. Uh, so that has really helped us to kind of pioneer also in, in the field of digital innovation. So and mm. this is why you go from product also to tech and services, because it's it's innovating uh, to surprise and engage the consumer. So this is what helps us uh, strive. Then I think every brand owner needs to have this curiosity and, and dare to evolve in that. And I think that the, the, the challenge is, on the one hand, you know, if you're in, if, if you are leading a brand, you need to be very clear and strict of what is the purpose of the brand, what is the equity of the brand, what does the brand stand for. Uh, I think this you need to, more than ever probably, manage very well and very consistently across your, your different touch points. Of course, though, this has to also evolve and, uh, and we see this also, our big brands, they constantly have to evolve and adapt to the new consumer mm -hmm. demands. So even big established brands that you know, uh, constantly reinvent themselves, but staying true to, to mm. who they are can be extremely successful and extremely relevant for consumers. Are there also things in that journey, eh, becoming more a digital services oriented company, or things which didn't go well? Because it, it all sounds hallelujah to me. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we are big believers of test and learn. Mm. Uh, I test and we test many, many things and not everything not everything works. Uh, and even for, for, I mean, to give you one example, for the services, there's many different things of how you can uh, present it to the consumer that the consumer actually finds the service. What's the right call to action? Where do you place it on your website? What's the right content that creates the interest? And there's some things that work extremely well and others that don't, you know? Uh, so on content and on all these things, there's many Many, many learnings and same on, on all the other fields, for sure. And in terms of culture, do you have to convince board members or uh, senior VPs in this strategy? Because you are obviously a strong believer that this is the way forward for L'Oreal Group. But are there also yeah, people who think otherwise? No, I think the, the good thing is that, you know, from a company standpoint, all our top management and group executive committee is 100% behind uh, this transformation. And... And, and preparing for the next phase of e-commerce, preparing for reinventing this next phase of digital and service transformation for building the beauty tech company. So it's really something that it's collectively aligned. And you've never had to sort of, had a challenge of convincing anybody on that, even though it's a very traditional company, been around for a long time, you, you've never had to, yeah, but, uh, challenges there? No, of course. I mean, there's uh, I have many challenges every day. And and who would have <laughs> who would have thought probably five years ago yeah. that on e-commerce we are now where we are. There were very um, we all had very very ambitious goals and 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 and, uh, and and dreams. Can you give us an example to make it to make it a little bit more concrete? No, but I, of, of one of your challenges. Uh, the the challenge is to first on e-commerce. I mean, there was 
it was not clear for everyone, uh, in necessarily in all levels of the organization, every market, that e-commerce would take such a big weight in of your business in only a few years time so th the moment you have to adopt your marketing plan you have to invest in resources to build uh, e-commerce uh, capabilities in crm in data in media in e-merchandising i mean you you need to shift these resources so of course there's some some level of discussion at every step of every transformation i mean that's the whole fun of the job you know but then when you see every year You go there and you sometimes even surpass your, your wildest dreams. Uh, sky's the limit. And what was the trick that you overcome, uh, overcame these challenges? I think first you have to be very clear in articulating your, your vision and your ambition and explain why it's so crucial yes. for, the, for, for, for the company's success. And you have to inspire the people also to be able to follow. Mm. You know, I think to, to really paint this this view of the future that's exciting, that's engaging. And, and everybody has, has to win, you know, everybody has, and it's always going to be online plus offline world. The offline world will benefit from it as well. And then you have to be rigorous and you cannot stop, you know, because there's always going to be resistance. Uh, and yes, Bob, we tried, yeah, but, but that's also the job. You have to keep going. You have to keep pushing. Uh, right. And the good thing is, you yeah. know, when it's hard, it's, it's hard for everyone. Uh, also the competition. So this is where you know you're onto something and that you need to push even harder. Uh, to make it good, Happy, right? You're very energetic and you're very driven. We've got a little, a few little questions for you, a number of dilemmas, and you have to choose one, I'm afraid. Just have to choose one. Don't think too hard about it. Are you ready for this? Just going to be a quick fire thing. Hit me, sure. Okay, then afterwards, maybe we'll discuss some of the answers. Okay, so make a choice. Service or experience? Uh, I see where you're going, but... <laughs> Definitely, it's not one or the other. I tell you that straight away. Oh, uh, you gotta gotta choose, gotta choose. Yeah, but there's there's there, there's uh, you know service is an integral part for a great experience. So I think it's really you, you cannot uh, you cannot deconstruct uh, the two. It's really very very tightly connected to okay. each other. Okay, I, 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 this is going to be tough getting pinning you down to one answer, <laughs> isn't it? Okay, so uh, next one: data driven or gut feeling? So I quick quick. Oh. <laughs> No, but if you want to be if you want to be really uh, very successful as a company and as a marketeer, you have to master both. There's no question about it. You have to be obsessed by data and be very rigorous on the KPIs that you follow, and have very clear measurement routines to cut through all the the bullshit and and all the ambiguity. So I think that's hyper important. But at the same time, you need to be creative. You need to have this that side of the brain as well to have the right sense of terminology, semantics creation of new ideas so you cannot choose okay okay well is, is there any point in asking the other questions anyway <laughs> technology technology or human touch i think i know the answer <laughs> yeah i mean again i think in in conjointly it can it can do very it can do wonders you know so no but i mean frankly in a, in a i think there's different phases so in a phase of where we we all long for more social interaction i think of course i'm now looking very much forward on a personal level and i think a lot of people do to meeting people being with friends and loved ones mm. in in the mm. real world so i think this of course is a bit cut short so maybe that's that is human touch is something human touch human touch is something we all want more than ever well human touch after you've sanitized um okay mainstream media or influencers mm. I'll put it differently. I think a lot of influencers are also part of mainstream media. So <laughs> it just depends on the audience that you look at that, that consumes it, you know. But 
at the end when you look of when you look about the reach and you also have influences part within even classical media so it's part of it do you use influencers a lot is that a big part of your uh, strategy oh yeah, yeah. We, we we started years years ago i mean okay. beauty is very social you know so because it's very visual uh, mm-hmm. so we started very early on social media and social networks to test with our brands to have the right level of brand expression exciting content people love to share it people love to engage so naturally it's very close to the marketing that we do okay couple of uh, other questions uh, one to many or one to one yeah uh, it depends on the on the on the on the moment in the consumer journey and what the consumers expect but no but to 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 tell you i mean services uh, and and these experience play a huge role in the one to one consultation and reinventing this department store feel of a beauty advisor stylist online but live streaming and and live shopping which is one to many is is booming hugely mm-hmm. globally and it's coming to europe as well so it's it's both right and last question this this is my favorite choose one okay. play, play with us very quickly ai or ar uh yeah i you know me now and i know you so i will tell you it also works uh works in in many use cases very closely very closely together at the service of the consumer and the business you know this so, is not the dilemma question this is the so. brothers in arms questions isn't it <laughs> Love CMO Talk? Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We're interested in your opinion and you'll help others find this podcast too. Off to the next topic, the relay question. And I think you know our next guest in CMO Talk, which is Ulrich Klenke, Chief Brand Officer of Deutsche Telekom T-Mobile. Is there a question you would like to ask Ulrich? Yeah, so I was thinking uh, what, what could be interesting. And of course, from a brand point of view, I think there's you know many ways to build a strong, healthy, and desirable brand. So there's two things that came to my mind, which, which I would be interested in personally. Uh, one is on the advocacy strategy. So for, for such a brand, how, how do they do it? How do they turn fans and, and real brand lovers into advocates for the brand? I think that's something that mm-hmm. I would be quite interested in and secondly also the strategic role that customer service plays for them in building the brand you know and how digital and tech is changing the way for them to build the best customer experience and and the part it it plays in the overall brand building strategy so these are i think themes which i would be quite interested in yeah thanks well we'll ask him next month we'd like to get to know you a little bit more um so you're responsible for for so many brands in so in many countries how do you keep a complete overview and stay involved. Is it 34 different brands, is it? Something like that? that you? Yeah, we have more than 30 global brands. Um, well, the, I think the most important thing is that we have amazing teams uh, in Paris and in every market, and, and they do an amazing job. So I think it's my role is predominantly also how I can, uh, how I can build and develop and engage all the teams to, to do this transformation. So, of course, I, I, I cannot keep track of everything. But what I try and that's I'm obsessed with is just certain level, and that comes to the data obsession, certain level of main KPIs and measurement routines to keep track of the main things that we want to achieve and what will contribute to the business success. I'm curious, from a marketing perspective, what are the top three KPIs which you think are most compelling to you? No, but there's probably a bit more than three, but I can cite a few. I mean, right. we, we very, very strongly track, of course, from a brand point of view, the equity of all of our brands mm-hmm. uh, in the eyes of the consumer, because that's the brands at the end are our biggest assets in the in the company, you know? So, so that's one. Of course, also, I track very closely our e-commerce performance, because it's, it's critical to keep winning in this channel shift. 
Uh, so this is clearly something that's in all the different forms and retailers and direct and indirect and everything that goes with it. So that and maybe one on the services also. I think it's, it's something that I monitor very closely as well of how do we progressively improve the reach of our services towards consumers. So how many consumers are in touch with the services and how does it contribute in terms of engagement and conversion after? Because this will, to your point, yeah. will really contribute to the success. So this is, this is a few examples of, of what we what we do. Yeah. So, so you spend a lot of your time crunching data is what you do. It's not, I always have this idea of marketing people, very creative, coming up with lots of wonderful, creative, beautiful drawings and stuff. It's actually data. It's actually <laughs> that was last century. That yeah. was last okay. century, Adam. <laughs> but that's why, again, you know, the, 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 this beauty tech obsession, of course, we automate a lot. We have cockpits and dashboards so that the data are fed automatically, are visualized well, and every marketing leader or decision taker has the appropriate level of visualization of the KPI. So I think that that helps a lot. But I do enjoy the creative part on uh, on the side on the marketing side as well. Philip, I have also another question. So if you look back at last year, 2020, the COVID year, right? Uh, which project or which accomplishment are you most proud of, and why? You know, I think most proud of collectively with all the teams of how we manage this big channel shift. Uh, and how fast we reacted to adjust our plans, to shift our investments and to really capitalize on this huge uh, explosion of e-commerce uh, and to grow faster than, than the market. I think that's, that, was, that was a major achievement. Mm. And if you talk about e-commerce, it's, it's many things that you have to do. You mm. know, e-commerce, it's, it's media, it's data, it's content, it's supply, it's finance, it's IT. So if you want to win an e-commerce, the entire company is fully mobilized. So that's the great thing about it. Um, you've been at the company for almost 15 years. What makes you stick around, Philip? I like the, I like the challenge. I like the speed. Uh, you know, when we talk about innovation and disruption, that's really at the heart. Mm. Uh, and that's what, what, what keeps me very motivated, ch what challenges me a lot, what helps me grow and learn a lot. So I've, I've, I've learned so much. And even in the last 18 months, I mean, the learning curve is just amazingly steep. The people are very, very fun because, you know, it's it's a culture of very motivated, very diverse people that want to collaborate and win and build cool products and services uh, and tech in the beauty space. So the, the spirit and the mindset is, is very progressive uh, and great. And that mix for me makes it a, a very good good place. We're a global company also. Mm -hmm. and, and as you say, more than 30 brands. So there's also many different options to build your career from a location point of view from a there's very many different business models and and now as i said you know we're building this huge tech capabilities also which allow many new career paths so that's why i'm quite thrilled because yeah. you said um because you spent a couple of years in new york didn't you as director of global marketing for maybelline is there a difference working for essentially the same company in new york or in paris is there a company culture mm. difference there yeah, I mean, there's there's certain traits I think like for every company that are pretty uh, pretty consistent and the ones that I've mentioned I was mentioning before. But of course, it's the, the the New York office is different from the Paris office, which is different from the Shanghai office, and there's always a strong influence in in, in local culture. So yes, and on top, like I mean, what if you name one thing, what would be the difference? Something that's striking about New York or Paris. Yeah, but I think the the American culture it's it's very it's a very process driven. Uh, probably than than Latin cultures in in other environments. As one, of course, the composition of the workforce can also be uh, different. But you have to be honest. If you compare L'Oréal with other companies in in the US, mm. 
you still feel that there's a strong French heritage, of course, of a global company, but the roots are, are very, mm. are very true, and, and you feel it in in every office of the world. Mm. That makes me wondering, Adam, but also Philip, of course, uh, which culture do you thrive best in? Is that the American culture or the Latin culture or the more European culture? Because you're German originally. Yeah, um, I think the real challenge, and that's what I what I like, is to to try to adapt to the different ways of working and cultures, to, to which is fun, you know. And I've adopted uh, when I was in the when I was in the states. I, I learned many things which were very different from the US. Now I'm in, in Paris, mm. uh, which is also a very different environment. So for me, the challenge is much more to be agile and and adaptable enough to to learn and grow in every environment. That's what I try to do. Right. And what's to come uh, in 2021 and beginning of next year? What's, what's going to be new? I think the, our vision as a company is, is, is pretty clear, as I was saying. So we have we, we are scaling big time what we are what we have already started. Of course, there's things like social commerce, which will also come even stronger to Europe, where we see the huge phenomenon of live shopping in 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 China, which is which is a huge part of the business. So. For example, the stylist that we have in the professional product uh, division or uh, makeup artists, you know, people that were beauty advisors that used to be a few years ago in the store, in the department store of how they can and can flourish and, and do this online and sell. I think it's super exciting. So this is something which would definitely will, will keep growing and we will uh, scale. Okay. Um, last question. Suppose you are one of the brands in L'Oreal's portfolio. Which brand can you identify yourself most and why? I'm a big fan of, of Kiehl's, which is Kiehl's? a great, uh, yes, which is a great skincare brand from the US, born in New York. It's a brand that's very true to itself. It's a brand that has a very good mix of being very true to their roots, but high, it is very, it's, it's cool, it's highly engageable. It has great services, it has great products. So Kiehl's is really by far one of the brands that I also use personally uh, a lot okay. uh, in my skincare routine uh, and also shower gel and deodorant. So it's something mm. that uh, I can only recommend also for you guys uh, to check out. So being true to your roots is really important to you. So so you're, you're from Germany, you've worked many years in Dusseldorf. What from your roots are you bringing to, to Paris? I just try not to take myself too seriously, I think, which is not always uh, which is not always easy in the professional space. But I think this is more the interpretation of of staying true to your roots is to to stay true to yourself and don't try to be someone that you're not, you know, which... Thank you, Philip. We are running out of time. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the very first uh, it's episode. It's been a joy. Thank you so much, Philip. Wish you all the best. My pleasure. My pleasure. And yeah, so this was Philip Markman, Chief Marketing Officer, Western Europe of L'Oreal Group. And if you don't want to miss out any episode of CMO Talk, you can subscribe to our CMO Talk newsletter and also in your favorite podcast app so you won't miss out on any new episodes. Yeah. And next month, as discussed, we'll be talking with Ulrich Klenke, Chief Brand Officer at Deutsche Telekom. And the topic will be brand equity. So hopefully we'll also be uh, tuning in to listen to the answers you had for um, Uli Klenke. Questions or suggestions? Please email class at cmotalk.global. Until the next episode. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening. Please visit cmotalk.global for more interviews. The CMO Talk podcast is developed and directed by Energize. Audio, mixing and mastering by voice booking. Mm-hmm.